Welcome to episode 43 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC anime universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And we got a lot of uh, reformed villains this, this week, a- picking up from last week. Yeah, uh, I loved it. I loved these two episodes. Yeah. Um, we do kind of see a spectrum of how Batman does treat his like curable patients. Yeah, from doubtful to awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But also we get a lot of him blaming himself. So we mentioned this last week. Did Batman create the Riddler? And in a right. sense, yes. Uh, and so obviously this week we're dealing with Two-Face and Harley Quinn. Two-Face, which she was pretty much directly involved in creating. Yep. Uh, and you can pretty much you can make an argument that he was involved in making Harley Quinn. Yeah, I get... Mm. Well, I think he might see it that Because of all the villains, she's the one he's most like compassionate towards yeah i think he we'll get to it yeah there's yeah. I, have a, I have a bunch of stuff uh do you we're have only a minute in we yeah. can't start we can't, we can't know, go we're, directly we're way too high stuff. philosophical already um got any news uh just just the the little trickling to comic-con news are starting to come in we're, oh, we're yeah, now within the one month countdown oh yeah we're getting we're getting real damn close here yeah i am very excited i mean obviously it's been a year i don't know why i was trying to lead in with that <laughs> But WB made this very, very adorable video for announcing all of their panels this year uh, where they had cute little puppies dress in each kind of TV show costume. That's adorable. And and walk across the screen showing what time and what what room they're going to be in. Uh, One of the things that surprised me and kind of insulted me was Big Bang Theory moved to Hall H. Uh, I mean, it it makes that... I feel like that panel is probably the most sought after panel for some odd reason since i've been going uh it's been a it's been a full house every time yeah i i'm always intrigued by the the continued popularity of that show because i watched it for a while i think everyone did yeah and you know i will maintain that the first few seasons are actually pretty solid but at a certain point the show now just runs off of making all of them the butt of the joke yeah and not in a like they're doing it themselves sort of way. It's just like, aren't these guys dorky and isn't that funny? And I just, I had to stop a few years ago. I just I, couldn't do I it. I feel like for all of the like genuine nerds that watch that show, there was just, I don't know if it was a singular episode or if it was just the way a season ran, but I, I can't point to an exact moment where I no. feel like every single person stopped watching. Yeah. And now it's just the people who want to think they know what nerds are. Yeah. Um, I know my folks still watch it, and sorry, yeah, I, love I, have a lot I, of, I love you guys, but it's terrible television. I have a lot of family that still watches <laughs> yeah. it, um, and it's, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy that they're trying to reach out to me. Sure. You know, it's, it's nice they're making the effort. It's a great attempt. Right? <laughs> but somehow it's wildly successful. It's, so. it's still going. It's, you know what? what like, in its ninth season? Something like that, yeah. You know, good on them. Like, a lot of, the, a lot of that cast are like actually like pretty cool people and it just means they're making a fuckload of money and have nice careers coming out of it so you know what yeah i'll, I'll say from that angle that's a good thing uh yeah i mean jim parsons is, is doing very well for himself yeah simon helberg has gone off and made like a few like independent movies that look really good mm-hmm. so hey you know what yeah right leonard, leonard was in that one justin timberlake movie that no one watched Oh, um, in, time. in time. I did yeah. see it. It, it. Yeah, it was fine. It was yeah. a good idea. <clears throat> yeah, it didn't uh, not quite, not well executed. Yeah. No, it didn't quite work. But uh, what news do you have? Uh, where to put my news? Oh, a uh, few small things. I mean, uh, as the press has been going on for War of the Planet of the Apes, people have been asking Matt Reeves, of course, about the Batman. There hasn't really been any updates other than he says that he wants to do like a kind of noir detective, like very POV sort of perspective, mm-hmm. which, I mean, on paper, that sounds like the sort of Batman movie I've always wanted to see. Like, I think we edged close to that with Batman Begins, and then it went a totally different direction. Um, I've always wanted to see a Batman movie that really embraced the, like, noir elements, like maybe even having, like, voiceover. Because mm-hmm. I think some of his best comics work because he's kind of going along and narrating the detective element of the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I would be intrigued to see what that would look like. Well, I mean, there was the whole element when we talked about, I feel like it was during Robin's Reckoning, where we talked about the reason they introduced Robin was so he had someone to talk to. Yeah. Before that, it was all voiceover, and yeah, like, it'd be really interesting to go back to those roots. Yeah, I, I can't think of a single 
thing where we've had like a, a voiceover element to Batman, and that it, maybe it won't work. Maybe that's why it's never been done. But uh, I'd be, we I'd had be the by like <clears throat> three minute voiceover with Morgan Freeman when he was going to quit. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Uh, so this has absolutely uh, nothing to do with comic book movies, but I have to ask you, did you watch the Jumanji trailer? I did watch the Jumanji trailer. Were you also annoyed that it actually looks kind of fun? Uh, so, so Jumanji holds a very odd place in my life. I what does was, that even mean? I was, this movie gave me, you can, ask, you can ask my mom about this, this movie gave me nightmares for months. Were you afraid you're going to turn into a, like a wolf monkey boy thing? No, I was just afraid of like everything when I watched this movie. <laughs> And I watched, I mean, I wasn't like young either. I was like, yeah, I, wouldn't, I was like yeah. nine or 10, maybe okay. eight or eight, nine or 10 when I watched this movie. And it just like, there was something about it. I think it was the like, I think it was like the deep subconscious isolation aspect of like Robin Williams being sucked in the game and being by himself for okay. like 25 years. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I think now that I look back on it, I think that was probably what freaked me out. But it was just, like, the entire idea of, like, there's going to be a rhinoceros that pops in in the middle of our game room, and he's going to destroy everything, and I can't do anything about it. I mean, I, I cannot judge you. Have I ever told you my most irrational fear? No. It's that uh, I approach a, a, an empty street. I look both ways. There's absolutely no traffic. I step into the street, and a DeLorean comes out of nowhere at 88 miles an hour and runs me over. That's, that's a good fear to have, though. Yeah. Because no at one... least that's, like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least that's completely irrational. It's completely irrational. It's never going to happen. But also, why did no one ever talk about that in those movies? Like, that is extraordinarily dangerous. Yeah. Moving on. I also appreciate that you say that, and I see it, the Lego DeLorean behind yeah. us. Oh, I know. So you fully embrace that fear. Yeah. You, just, as, as the me. Batman, you, you've taken that and taken on that identity. Absolutely. Yeah, I just go down to a cave, and I just surround myself with models with DeLoreans. of DeLoreans. Yeah, <laughs> flaming tire tracks. I still haven't quite quit it, but, you know, I just I hold on to it. Right, you should. Yeah. Who hurt you as a child? <laughs> a DeLorean. <laughs> That's the whole point. Uh, but, yes, I did see Jumanji 2 trailer. I also forgot it's technically a sequel. It is, yeah. I, I don't know. They've said that it's loosely connected. I'm not sure how. But, yeah, because now it's a video game instead of a board yeah. game. I mean, I have to admit, I watched the show. I'm like, I'm glad that they went the complete opposite direction as the last one. Instead of the, like, the game coming out into the real world, it's like people going into this like, yeah. heightened, absurd world. I don't know. It looks like it could be kind of fun. Um, we'll wait and see what reviews are I'm like. sure we're going to get the like a few like adaptation jokes because I feel like the game is going to be an adaptation of the board game. Oh, yeah, probably. Um, and so they're going to make like, oh, you know, the original is always better. Yeah. I'm like... 95% sure someone is going to say that line in this movie. I mean, it can't be any more clunky than in X-Men Apocalypse and they walk out of Return of oh the Jedi. Oh my god, it's the like, third one's always the third worst. Third one's always the worst. And it was. <laughs> hey guys, we're referring to this very garbage movie we're in right now. <laughs> uh, there's that, and then another reason I think they go into the game is that's a huge, huge like plot device in a lot of Asian movies and tv shows right now oh uh, interesting like uh there was so that it's been around for a while uh there was like b-toom and or b yeah b-toom in the late no early 2000s where a kid gets trapped in a video game but what i think made it most popular recently is this show called sword art online uh which that, has been that sound was the whoosh of that flying over my head that's fine i'm, I'm happy you don't know about it because it was <laughs> one of those sh- it's it's one of those shows that had so much hype and there was so, it was so good, and then it's like two episodes happened, and the entire community turned on it. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's now like one of the most disappointed like disappointed shows to ever air on television. Oh my god, it's like the Big Bang Theory's <laughs> evolution, but in a really condensed space. Yeah, but there was like, and that was a <laughs> phenomenon when it came out. Sword Art yeah. Online was the biggest thing, and there were like, there's still shows trying to copy that, and you that's a still very big trope that you see but you had that you had a log horizon which was a little better it takes like a more political aspect which is odd um you have um no game no life which is kind of what this movie is it's these two really good gamers get pulled into a video game where every decision they make is decided on a video game which is kind of awesome it's 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 a good show (laughs) (laughs) but it's uh i mean we have this kind of the reason i bring this up is we have this trend now where, you know, the Chinese market and the Asian market is so powerful yeah. that all of the movie studios are trying to adapt to them. And I feel oh, like this is kind that, of a good that, compromise. That very well could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely trying to put like their big stars forward. So, yeah, I don't know. 
We'll see. I now am at least intrigued in, by seeing it rather than completely disinterested. Did so. you ever see Central Intel? No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, the Rock and Kevin Hart, they're funny together. Okay. So we will have a laugh or two. I guess so, yeah. I oftentimes end up avoiding big budget comedies because they're not that good. I much prefer the indie ones, which we'll get to eventually. Oh, boy. At our bat plugs at the end. But uh, are there any other news? Uh, Conan had a had a fun video with that. I feel like we need to talk about it because it featured Bruce Tim. That's true. Yeah, I'll <laughs> I'll put it in the uh, in the episode description. So it wouldn't be a Tim Talk episode if we didn't at least mention what Bruce Tim is doing right now. Yeah, no, it's great because yeah, Conan goes to like DC and he spends like half the video talking to some guy about like the most obscure characters, including Batlash. So I think it actually pops up in the JLU at some point. Uh, no, you're thinking of Vigilante. But I thought Batlash popped up when they went into the past. Oh, he might have. I forget. Because yeah. uh, Vigilante is the is the cowboy that, yeah. that in I probably might half of the episodes. Yeah. But yeah, so he talks to them about like the, some obscure characters, and then he has Bruce Tim draw him, which yeah. is pretty fantastic. So yeah. yeah. It's fun. Yeah, I'll include that you in there. You see Bruce Tim kind of lose his mind. Yeah. I, it was funny to see Bruce Tim like, kind of crack up and laugh. He usually comes off as very serious in interviews. So yeah. So that's fun to watch. <laughs> But I think that's all the news. Should okay, we, yeah, I was, we, I was jumping to. We should. I was trying to find a segue. Nope, and it just, I'm not. It I'm not giving you the chance. I, I had one if we had done Harley first, but since we're not, we're doing nope. Two Face first. I missed it. Um, but yes, the first of our two reform episodes is about good old Two Face, and I mean this is a story that has been done kind of a few times where mm-hmm. we they either uh, <laughs> Harvey attempts to have his face repaired or has had his face repaired. Yeah, you've read Hush, right? Uh, yes. I don't remember it, but I know I've read it. I know okay. I own it. Okay, because that's factored in there. That's that's part of it. Okay. That aside, yeah, and we, we get a reminder right up front that Batman was there slash responsible. Oh, yeah, we got a flashback, which, I mean, it, it makes sense. We're deep into season two. <laughs> yeah. And that was episode three. That was, it was way, that was way, way, yeah. way back. Yeah. So, like, as someone who's not, like, cataloging every single episode this might have been necessary <laughs> yeah for for <laughs> we're watching it like twice the speed as it originally aired yeah yeah there's that so no, i mean it's worth putting back in there but yeah it, it recapped and also i guess they had to address why thorn was involved yeah too um i wish they did that with, with the harley episode because i completely forgot who boxy was yeah i had forgotten that too i had to pause and like search him well, because it's the same voice as uh, Chucky Soul. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I remembered it. And they also, like, they mentioned the casino, and I'm like, oh, he was the guy that opened the Joker casino. Yeah. But no. He, no, yeah, it's the it's the underground casino that she leads Batman yeah. to on accident. Yeah. I, yeah. I forgot that that had even existed. <laughs> uh, but we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get, get to that. that, yeah. First, we, we get Two-Face going into the hospital <laughs> to get fixed up. We have Dr. Exposition there who's like, you've done such a great job. Going and doing psych stuff, and you're all good now, so we're just going to go ahead and gas you, and we're going to fix your face. But that doesn't fucking work, because guys break in and shoot everything yeah. up. It's also the fastest gassing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. It, it, I, don't you usually like keep... I mean, I, I understand they're doing work on his face, so they can't just keep the mask on him yeah. the whole time. But he was out in like three seconds. I mean, you actually do go out pretty quick. I guess that's I've only been gassed once. Okay, yeah. I'm, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'm not going to explain why. You just have a more fun life than I do. That's exactly it. it. Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they put him under and then this, like, so Batman and Robin break in to try and, and help. Oh, are we going to talk about the before they break in might be one of my favorite Wait, unnecessary what? gags. What was that? Uh, so the, the, the goons break in and they shoot up the place and Batman takes his grappling hook and oh, tries to yeah. shoot it through the glass and it doesn't break. It just bounces the off. first time ever. Yeah. Like, he is known for just crashing in through everything. And I just loved the fact... And it even pauses on him for a second. Like, he shoots it, it cracks the glass, and there's, just like, this sight gag almost where he's like, I guess we'll go around? Like, I, like I'm rich. I, I don't have to go around. I don't know what the point of that was. Uh, I guess to give him reason cause to, like, to give the goons time to capture him i guess i i know i don't know because i know um that uh art of batman book that i picked up when i was home mm-hmm. which is literally sitting here on the table like one of the little cartoons they have in there i well, post on instagram it's kind of funny it shows like all the things it's like a, a snapshot of all the things they couldn't include so like um child endangerment and nudity and drugs and alcohol one of them was actually breaking glass which is weird because i feel like they gave up on that one I, like immediately a, like a certain point 
Yeah, but yeah, so I don't know. So they they go around and they go through the main doors and they are incapacitated by a fucking lamp. Okay, so I I wrote that down too. And I think that's a little better than usual cuz it's it's a ceiling it's a, it's lamp. a swing it's a big heavy swinging well not it's swinging once it's cut. Yeah. But yeah. I mean that make that's a heavy light. It's not a lamp. It's a it full on overhead light. It's just a funny moment where it's like Batman throws the batarang, it cuts the thing and it T- like tips down and we just it just swings through and just like almost like a pratfall just knocks them out and throws them off yeah. to the side. No, I I appreciated that moment because I'm like, okay, this is something that would stop Batman for a good couple seconds. I guess so. Like he probably broke some stuff. He did have Robin there to cushion his fall. That's, <laughs> That's why Robin. Amazingly, yeah. Robin didn't like break a bone in this episode because I feel like the last couple they've had him there in the first part of the episode that yeah. he's like all right i'm done well they gave him an arc in this episode it's a small one but they did give him one. Oh, absolutely yeah and it's actually it's it's actually a pretty dense episode because batman robin and two-face all kind of have their own independent arcs yeah of sorts um but yeah so they they get two-face out of there and then of course there's two cars because mm-hmm. there has to be so robin goes after one and has a, a moment where you sh- see like he's actually really good at what he does where he like races across the cars and like grapples up on top of a train and then jumps onto the escaping car like that's a pretty solid robin move right there yeah but then he basically just gets like a lot of what he does in this episode shows that he is a fair match for batman now. yeah he has skills and it, like they do trust each other like they, it's like okay we'll split up you go one i'll go the other mm-hmm. and he keeps up up until like the guy tries to smash him to a wall and then yeah understandably he lets go yeah it's 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 kind of reasonable and then, he just got hit with the giant swinging light like he's true, yeah. done getting beat he, up. he's a little phased he's yeah a little out of it yeah and then batman goes off in pursuit on the the bat bike and like almost loses him but then pulls a pretty sweet move where he just like leaps off of a bridge and smashes onto the roof of a car yeah i i had to rewrite my notes i'm like all right robin stopped all right they lose both cars and i'm like no Batman pulls a Batflack move where he just yeah. murders the just two murders people in the car. People. Like, he destroys that car. Two-Face could have been in the back. Yeah. He expected Two-Face to be in the back. Yeah. <laughs> well, sorry. Collateral my, damage. My bad. <laughs> sorry, there goes the other half of your face. I mean, he doesn't need both. No. No. He's already going for surgery anyway, so let's, yeah. let's take care of the other half. All under the Wayne, all under the Wayne paycheck. Yeah, he's footing the bill, so what does it matter if he yeah. just sets them back a little bit? Yeah, he's fine. So Batman and Robin have this little conversation. And I was a little confused by this conversation at first. I don't know if I missed a line. Uh, but they're in the car. And Batman kind of belittles Robin of like, he you did your best. He doesn't. No, really, he doesn't. Though. Yeah. It's like Robin's like, oh, That's yeah. That's how Robin takes it. Yeah. It's like, no, you. Yeah. He's like, he in all sincerity is like, I believe that you did everything you could. Yeah. And Robin's like, don't treat me like a child. Yeah. Like, don't pander to me. Yeah. Like, I was very confused by them. And I understand like this. I feel like his arc was him showing that he's an equal in that line. I guess Robin took it as him still seeing it as a sidekick. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Him feeling that he's less than Batman. I mean, they do set it up that they're trying to achieve the same thing. And Batman's more capable. Batman loses them, but gets them back. And Robin doesn't. Well, he had a bike. Robin. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. He had a fucking bike. Yeah. Also, he's Batman. Like he's been doing this for a while. Yeah. Robin's still 20. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it it, it kind of works. Mm-hmm. But but like you said, this is a moment where we see, um, in this episode specifically, Robin gets to do everything on his own. Yeah. To be fair, he does both things poorly. He does, doesn't he? Um, but I, th- I think this is the first time he gets to do it by himself. Like, usually, if we see it, like, Batman is still there in the same vicinity just doing something else. But yeah. this is like, you go to this side of the town... I'll go to this side of the town. Yeah, I mean, Batman sends him off to go confront Thorn yeah. on his own. Like, <clears throat> theoretically, that's the more dangerous job than going and talking to Penguin inside of a prison. So we see him go to Thorn first, and unfortunately, is immediately captured. Yeah, he's not. He's, he's struggling. Yeah, uh, but it's fine. He's he's kind of in a sour mood the entire episode. He is. He's a little grumpy. Yeah. Uh, he explains to Thorn that Two Face has been kidnapped. We think it's you. Thorn denies it. He's like, I'll show you what I would do to Two-Face if I had him. Uh, and so he knocks him out, ropes him up, and he's going to throw him off the the Gotham Bridge. Yeah. Uh, he escapes. 
And a very cool kind of man- a very Batman maneuver. I feel it's like. pretty awesome. Yeah, because he's got the, the glass cutter up his sleeve. He uses like cut the ropes and then breaks free as he's falling. Mm-hmm. Grapples midair, swings up, and it, instead of going because usually when they have this grapple movement, it it's always kind of up frame. Yeah, but this time it's towards frame, which I thought was kind of cool. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, but even just how he like he finishes it off, he like swings through and literally punches through the car and like knocks both goons out and knocks the door off. He didn't need to do. They weren't doing anything. I mean, uh, understandably. Oh, I, yeah. They did try and yeah. kill him. They did just try and murder him and just casually driving away. Yeah. They kind of deserve it. I guess so. Plus, it's a pretty badass mom. <clears throat> mom. It was, yeah. Mom? It was a badass mom. <laughs> Welcome to the millennial world. I can't. An abbreviation. <laughs> I'm just breathing left and right, man. <laughs> God. Uh, so then we jump to Batman in maybe one of the strangest moments we've seen in the in the series. where We have Penguin trying to teach pigeons to do, like... Oh, he succeeds. I can can dance. He's taught them how to to dance, which then helps explain why he can just have them fly out and attack Batman. Those are well-trained pigeons. Those are very, very well-trained pigeons. Yeah. The point of all this, we discover that neither Thorne, who has a long-standing grudge with Harvey and Two-Face from way back when Harvey became Two-Face, I guess the Penguin had some other random thing happen recently, neither of them did it. I I missed exactly what he stole, but they were, were they were both trying to go after oh, a statue. It was like a, statue. It was like a two-headed. It was like a two-headed. Was it a two-headed statue of Ra? Is Ra a bird? Yeah, yeah, Ra's a bird. The Egyptian god. Yeah, two-headed okay. statue of Ra. Okay. Does Ra have two heads normally? No. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's a god. You can have it. You can. Yeah, that's true. You can have as many heads as you want. See them as that, however you want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, of course, it's a two-headed thing. Two face has to go for it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, or, uh, Batman leaves, meets back up with Robin. They find... I, my note just says alone dash Y? Question mark? Was uh, someone alone? Yeah, some so point? so they go back to the hospital, and they find a footprint. And Batman's like, oh, this shouldn't be here because all doctors wear like, oh, yes, like, like um, gloves on their feet. Yeah, like the... Yeah, the scrunch, it's like a scrunchy, like a yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like this, a hairnet by your for your shoe. That yeah, that's a much better description than whatever the <laughs> fuck this was. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so he like looks at it for a second. He's like, oh, I know where they are. In very Batman fashion, I know yeah. where they are. Um, and yeah. I know who kidnapped him. Mm-hmm. Um, off to the the Half Moon Club. Yeah, that wasn't a giveaway. Uh, well, he also leaves Robin. He's like, I have to do this oh, on my own. That's, that's why he's alone. That's why he's alone, and right. Robin, again, doesn't take it well. No. But this one makes sense, because it's, it's Robin's reckoning all does over it, again. Does it, though? Like, does Batman need to do this on his own? Like, he feels guilty, but it's not... Well, I think it's the fact that he's not confiding in Robin at all. I guess. Like, he's bottling all of this up, and... I think the last time, I've mentioned this a few times now, the last time they had this kind of interaction was Robin's Reckoning. That's true, yeah. Where he was, he was belittling Robin, he was treating him like a child, he wasn't trusting him as an equal. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of seeing that not on the same grand scale, but, you know, this is a very personal matter to Batman. Two-Face is still, there was, I had this idea of, like, Joker is obviously the overarching villain of, any Batman franchise. Yeah. But in this series specifically, Two-Face is is his greatest enemy. He's the one that we saw him create. At the very beginning, episode three, we see the creation of Two-Face. And that lasts us, what, we're five episodes away from the end of this series. And you see how powerful that one moment still is. We no, still get a flashback to that episode. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's very much, he's bottling this up. He blames himself that he feels like he has to do this on his own in order to, you know, kind of right his wrong. Okay, fine. I believe now why Batman has to go off on his own. He's also stubborn. Yeah, there's that too. My God. Um, but I do love that when he, he gets to the, the Half Moon Club and he sees Harvey, it's like, oh, well, you kidnapped yourself because you're your own greatest your own enemy. enemy yeah. And, of course, he gets, like, guns pointed at him and gets trussed up and in a death trap. But I love that he points out that, you know, it couldn't just be one red herring. Yeah, it had, it had to be two red herrings. Two red herrings. God, Batman also a great appreciation for red herrings. Yeah. We did. If anyone missed it, we did have a great. Uh, oh, that's right. We did. We explained, ex- the, or- explanation you explained the origin of, of <laughs> the origins of what a red herring is. I can't believe I forgot about that. How dare you? Oh, so. 
Um, so he's in this very fascinating death trap. Uh, yeah. So he's attached. He's he's handcuffed to the bottom of a wrecking ball. And I thought he had the. I thought Two Face had the trigger to let go of the handcuff, but no, it's much darker than that. He'd set up explosives at the top of the wrecking ball to where the chain was, and he was going to blow up the chain. So Batman, while still being handcuffed to the wrecking ball, was going to crash down with it. Yeah, which is much, much more thought out than most villains. Would you say it's too much? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would not. Um, but I, I, I kind of appreciated that. He's like, it is, yeah, oh. it's, it's over the top. Like they understand he he'll just grapple out if they just let him fall. Yeah, because no. no one decided to take any utility belts in this episode, which is fine. Yeah, sometimes they're easy to steal. Sometimes they're not. Yeah, but I, I do love Batman's trick. To getting out of this. I thought this is where Robin was the whole time. I, I thought, too. This is where I, I expected Robin to show up here, but it's a little more clever than that because he Two-Face goes to flick his coin and it lands on the edge. Ba- uh, Batman demands that he lets it fall because usually oh, yeah, Two-Face right. catches yeah, it. Yeah, let me see it. Yeah, I need to see it, how yeah. it lands. And it, it, and it lands and it keeps landing on its side. And, of course, that's because Batman swaps it out and mm-hmm. that gives him a moment to, to break free. Um, but I thought that was... It, it's... What I love about like this episode and the Harley episode and the Riddler episode before this is the cool thing about doing a show like this is we have spent enough time with these characters that we can kind of do a deeper dive. Like you couldn't do a story like this in a movie, really, right? Because you'd have to already establish this character exists. Mm-hmm. But in here, to understand the importance of the coin, yeah. And here we get to really exploit their greatest weaknesses, right? So with the Riddler, it was his ego, and in this one, it's the coin. Mm-hmm. And the Batman manipulates him in that way. And you just see, like, he doesn't even have to do anything to incapacitate him. He is incapacitated by the coin itself. So he can spend his time dealing with all the goons. Really genius. Yeah. Much better executed than the Tommy Lee Jones, which is pretty much the same oh, God. Yeah. Well, idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this is, works much, much better. Yeah. So Batman kind of knocks out the rest of the goons. Two-Face falls off the ledge trying to catch this coin. Um, and then we have this very fascinating moment where Batman catches him. He's like, you have to pull yourself up. Mm-hmm. I had like a, a dumb moment in this because uh, Two-Face screams, I can't decide between, you know, letting myself up or my coin. Yeah. And I, it's, it's very understandable. But my thought was like, you have a pocket. Yeah, I, I thought put I, it in your no, pocket. I, I had that too. I'm like, can and you also you could probably still keep it in your hand and like Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, it's uh, more it's more but thematic. The the, the deeper I I looked into that scene a little bit deeper, and it's a very fascinating question for Harvey slash Two Face of he's not letting he's not pulling himself up. He's am I choosing Batman or am I choosing the coin? Mm-hmm. On one side he's seeing this kind of figure that's always stepped in his way everything he's tried to achieve has been stopped by batman and in his hand he's holding the coin how did i phrase it um which is the idea of constant comfort and relief like he can always trust in the coin it's a no matter like matter of fact 100 percent. i will do what it says it will not prove me wrong yeah and so that's more what he's fighting for and in a similar moment that we have, even if it's not the same coin, Batman tells him in this moment, that's a trick coin. That's not your real coin. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned this with the Riddler of how Batman didn't create Riddler, but he pushed him to that next level. I think this moment was Two-Face's next level when he lets go of the oh. coin because he chooses neither. Yeah. He lets go of the coin and then punches Batman. Mm-hmm. And so now his kind of disorder isn't, coming from the coin it's now it's not being fueled by the coin it's now being fueled by his hatred for batman oh interesting um yeah that makes sense but he's still caught yeah uh, robin swings in yeah like robin swings in like knock out some henchmen and then uh two-face falls batman falls robin swings after him and then the the detonator goes off i thought that was kind of a cop-out too like i wanted to see the moment where Robin grabs Batman, grabs Two-Face. Like, I, I wanted all of those arcs to come together and, like, have one have to save the other sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know quite why they didn't just show that. 
probably it, for time reasons. I guess time and like I guess it's like a moment of suspense. But like you know they're gonna catch him. Yeah, yeah. Because then it, I think they go from there. Is it back to Arkham? Um, Where does it go? Do they, they go to the hospital. Does it just end? no? They do go to Arkham. Yeah, because yeah, you see him in the straight jacket and they're letting. Oh him yeah. Um, oh, that's because that Bruce is there and it's like, oh yeah, I'll always be here for you, Harvey. Yeah, and then we have kind of the wrap up of Robin, um, where Bruce realizes oh, yeah. like. I as I will always be there for Harvey. I need to understand that Robin, you will always be there for me, yeah. and that's kind of another step towards them being equals. Yeah, right. So they are stopping equals, and he runs away, which is going to happen in five episodes, very soon. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, it's. I like this. I liked it a lot. I actually think I liked it more than I liked uh, Harley's Holiday. I think I did too. Harley's Holiday is much funnier. It is. Yeah, it's not a. <laughs> I, I wrote this down towards the end. It's not a Batman episode for me. It's a it's a great episode of Wacky Racers. Yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah, we'll we'll get to it in a second. Uh, real quick, our sponsor this week is Rachel and Sam read a story. Oh, good. Good friend Sam Gash. Yeah, who's been on the podcast for we got him back on again. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I I think I mentioned it last time we sponsored them that I did an episode of theirs. So and I also feel bad he reached out to me and I don't think I ever responded. You bastard. Sorry, Sam. You're a horrible person. I'm sorry, Sam. We'll but, we'll, we'll make it work. So. Uh, also, friend Jonathan, who's on the podcast with us for Harley and Ivy, he sent me a link to um, like some Batman kids books. It's like there's okay. like there's like a Good Night Batman. I think there's like another one too or something like that. I feel like we now need to like get those and reach out to Sam. Like, hey, let's do like a crossover and we'll like read Batman kids books. That has nothing to do with anything. No, that's awesome. Let's yeah. do it. Here's the plug for it. Do you remember reading children's books? I do. The picture books that had all the nice pictures and also a story. Oh yeah, they were always so nice and fun. Yeah. Were they? I don't know. I don't remember. Well, if you want to remember, you should probably listen to our podcast. What's our podcast? Our podcast is Rachel and Sam Read a Story. Sounds super nice and friendly all the time. (laughs) All the time. I'm Rachel Bieber. And I'm Sam Gash. And we are the people who do Rachel and Sam Read a Story. On Mondays on the Nerdist School Network. Ooh. (laughs) Everyone go listen to that. That sounded great. (laughs) Every <laughs> one of these days i'm actually going to play <laughs> the ad just to throw you off that's fine yeah you still gotta woo it though but so now on to uh our second reform episode of the day harley's holiday wacky racers which the, it, the forgotten the lost episode yeah it took me i like what this episode is trying to do it took me to the end of it to get what it actually was um because I'm like, okay, it's a Harley episode. It's like written by Paul Dini, um, but I think it's not just me. The animation in this was garbage, right? Uh, I think the in the Two Face episode, the animation might have been some of the like the most fluid. I yeah. think in comparison, this wasn't great. I don't know. If I didn't have any just like straight up qualms with it. I, I don't know if it's because I've been watching the Animaniacs, and so like th- there's there's a style of animation that is meant to look cartoonish, which is what the Animaniacs embraces, and a style is meant to be realistic. I felt like the last episode was realistic. This one, like every time anyone runs anywhere, they have this weird kind of floppy gate thing going yeah. on. It it looked like a really old episode, like those really early episodes of the series that aren't really crisp right i don't know but i think part of it too is that the tone of this whole episode was kind of weird so this, that this was a very comedic off. episode and i think that's what it took me a long time to understand was it's not really it, there's a tank in this episode there's a tank in, what the fuck there's a like, straight up tank it i i finally realized at the end of it that what this is is the whole episode is like a comedy of escalation yes yeah and it took me a while to get that and then i'm like okay if that's what they're trying to do i guess it kind of worked but they're also putting in like a legitimate arc in here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's odd. I mean, as you can imagine, Holly's holiday. So, uh, she is going to be released. She is deemed sane. Yeah. Which I don't know how anyone thinks she's sane. Cause she's behaving the exact same as she always does. Yeah. But I guess she's less crazy than the rest of the inmates. So well, I guess, helps. um, well, what I think is important with this episode, this is the first Holly episode where there is no sign or mention of the Joker. Mm-hmm. So I think that might've been what her like, saneness was was she's now an independent character okay yeah she's separated from which makes sense and and again i i love that they can now do this in the show which is as she is getting released they're bringing in the scarecrow and he's making a big old production of the whole thing yeah and you know poison ivy doesn't have any lines but she's standing there but again it's it's fun that these characters just pop in and out yeah they're there we have the world let's yeah let's play with it yeah and um 
but we also see that Batman still doesn't really believe that his villains can reform. Because even as he, like, you know, holds out his hand and basically says congratulations, you can tell that it's not 100% sincere. There's still, like, a little bit of a warning behind it. Which is like, just, just let her be. Yeah. He's like, you know, congrats on being let out. Don't ruin it. Yeah, don't fuck it up. Basically. And I think that kind of, like, might have been kind of the pressure behind her the whole time. Was no, people expecting yeah. her to fail? Yeah, I mean, because it's it's not really her. It's kind of her fault, but it's not really her fault. What happens? I mean, because the first thing she does as she gets released is to go roller skating in Daisy Dukes with her pet hyenas. I I love I love that scene. There's something about whenever she like calls it like oh, "come to mommy." Something about the way she says it, I die every time. It's so damn funny. Yeah. Uh, and then, so like, obviously everyone on the street is freaking out because there's these two hyenas, hyenas yeah. walking around, but she always points at herself. It's like, Oh, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. It's like, oh, must I be the way that shorts. I look. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she goes shopping and lo and behold, who's in this shopping center doing what we love to see him do. Bruce, try on suits, trying on some colored suits. I know he has horrible taste in suits and. I mean, Veronica Vreeland is there, and she calls him out on it, but she's also helping him pick out horrible suits. Yeah. But, I, I, but again, this is early early 90s. Yeah, but they they almost, they got to a point where they started putting him in, like, full, like, proper suits. I, I don't care for the suit pants and jacket to be different colors. I don't really care. That's not just my thing. I don't like that look. Mm-hmm. So it's always bothered me. They put him in this, like, weird, frumpy, double-breasted brown suit. Like, yeah. Put that man in a nice, crisp black suit, which eventually they do. That has nothing to do with anything. It has, it has everything to do with everything. Suit will, talk. We're going to get an entire episode of just Batman trying on suits. We'll have Shane come on. We'll just talk about suits. Yes. It'll be great. Uh, but I do... Do you, Okay, I have a question for you. Do you think the hyenas recognize Bruce? Because they... Absolutely. Because they would smell him. They yeah, were, and yeah. that's why they're like more ferocious towards him. Yeah. I love that Because moment. even... The, there's two moments that were great moments of comedy where the hyenas come in and they kind of jump or like lunge towards Bruce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Harley looks at him. She's like, you look familiar. Oh, and she yeah. covers up his eyes and you only see, you know, his, his nose and chin. And you, you wonder like, oh shit, does she know? Yeah. Cause she's like, there's something about Yeah. That and then she's chin. like, oh, that's the chin of the famous Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. I know that chin anywhere. Yeah. Um, it's, it, that is pretty good. I do like that. Yeah. And, uh, what I love even more is Jimmy Kimmel made that joke. I don't remember if you, I don't know if you remember, uh, right before Batman Superman came out, there was the like parody scene where he inserted himself into oh, the into the, yes. like, into the movie when when uh, Bruce and Clark are talking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Bruce holds up the phone to take a picture, and he's like, "Wait, hold on!" And you only see you know his, his nose down. It's like you're Batman. <laughs> like, what? No, what? I forgot about that. Yeah. Who would have guessed that the five-minute Jimmy Kimmel clip was better than the entire movie? What a surprise. <laughs> uh, but uh, coming back to, to good media. Yeah. Because um, Harley tries. She's, like, she's legitimately trying. Like yeah. she, she doesn't know how to be a normal person, but she's trying. She actually buys the dress, but in her haste, she forgets to have the tag taken off. So security thinks that she's trying to steal something. And even the, even the security guard's like, no, let me just take the tag off. I believe you. Yeah. But she beats him up with a mannequin and runs off to the changing room. And then she's just had it. So she just busts out back in full Harley gear. Didn't take long. No. But, but again, there was a lot of pressure behind her. No, there was. And, you know, again, it's, I, I think this recognizes that she is a victim through all of this. Like, mm-hmm. even here, it's not... it. It's not her, quite her fault that this happens. Like she immediately falls back into the Harley persona very quickly, but she is pushed in that direction. It's not because of her ego or anything else that she does it. Um, and and both Batman and Bruce and either guys kind of recognizes that mm-hmm. a little bit. And he does, even if he was skeptical when he saw her at Arkham, he's legitimately trying to help her now. Yeah, and he believes yeah. her. Yeah, and and Paul Dini is great at having both parts of the character um kind of be helpful in in the story so we see bruce kind of you know very politely and in a very calming voice like everything's okay Mm -hmm. they're just like you're gonna be fine no one's gonna take you you're not going back to arkham just like come out and we can talk about this but 
<clears throat> I love that. She busts out of the changing room. She's like, back off. I'm armed. And she's swinging and she swings the, the man. That's amazing. Like we said, this is a, this might be the best comedic <laughs> episode of Batman so far. Yeah, it is pretty ridiculous. And she is a great comic character. <clears throat> so, but she ends up kidnapping Veronica and taking off in Bruce's car. And then we cut to Commissioner Gordon's office where a general is standing in full field gear. Yeah. With like jotpers and a fucking helmet. And he's even and got the he's like. He's got a riding crop. Yeah. Where the fuck was he? Did he just literally like. I mean, clearly he just walked off a tank, which he yeah. parked somewhere. We don't know that yet. So I know, we find it's... out that this is Veronica's father, who's yeah. General Vreeland. 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 Um, and he's like, I need my daughter back. Yeah. She's with a psychopath. He's like, all right, I'll make some calls. I'll make it happen. Uh, Gordon leaves, and the general picks up the phone. He's like, all right, we're doing this. And I guess that's when he just summons the tank into Gotham. I, it's yeah, I guess I don't, uh, I don't know. What's going uh, on there. Oh, we also see Bullock pops in because he like runs her. Or oh yeah, she, she runs him off the road or something. Oh, that's like right. That. Yes, then he like crashes his car and then goes off twice. And, <laughs> God, so he goes off in pursuit of her, and they they go to Boxy's place. A so Boxy, yeah, from um, Harlequinade. Yes, from Harlequinade. Uh, off there to go uh, get some help. I think she basically just needs help getting out of town, right? She's yeah. going to let Veronica go, and Boxy wants to hold uh, her hostage. Yeah, hold her for ransom. Yeah, and there, there's, like, a little bit of a bond between them. Like, Harley's like, look, I'm going to let you go. Like, sorry, kind of. This is my fault. Yeah, I didn't mean... I was just coming for the car. You just happened to be in the way. Yeah, so I'll just... I'll let you go. Yeah, so then there's a tiny little shootout. Yeah. Um, and this was... So she's being held at gunpoint by Boxy... Um, and she's like, come on, babies. And then the hyenas yeah, come in. My baby. I was really worried that that was when Joker was going to like randomly pop in somewhere. <laughs> God, not. Because I was thinking just like the singular baby. Yeah. Of like, oh, Mr. J's coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he would just like would have been there already for some reason. But I'm glad it wasn't. It's no, the two it's, hyenas. It's hyenas yeah. And then Batman and Robin show up and uh, Robin mm-hmm. utilizes some fish as nunchucks. I fucking loved that. I, it's silly, but it works. And this I, whole episode was yeah. just like pure entertainment. And I guess one bit of trivia I saw in this was that the, the specific moves that Robin mm-hmm. does to knock out the henchman with the nunchucks, with the fish nunchucks, is the same move that Bruce Lee does in really Enter, we were gonna say yeah, in Enter the Dragon. Yeah, which is like, that's really cool that it's like, that's very subtle. That's amazing. But yeah, it should be ridiculous, but I love it. Harley and Veronica get back in the car and they start driving off. And then this is when it becomes a, a straight up Wacky Racers episode. Yeah. Um, well, we first, so it was Wacky Racers with like Muttley and it was the night dastardly. Yes. Okay. It was yeah. the 1985 series. I want, I think it lasted 85 to 88. Okay. Or it was just kind of any Hanna-Barbera cartoon could have made a cameo in this. Right. But there were, there was like six main core cars. Dick Dastardly was the main villain and his, his, his dog. dog yeah. But had like the wheezing laugh. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember the, the main girl, but she was basically like Snow White. Okay. She had a car of, of little people trail her and save her from Dick Dastardly. So bizarre. It was very bizarre. But you'd see like Scooby-Doo would make an appearance in an episode. Okay, yeah. or, like the Flintstones would have their car come in. Josie and the Pussycats. Awesome. Yeah. I loved that show. Uh, and that's what this turned into. So, yeah. uh, Boxy survives the hyenas. And if you don't understand, this is a straight up comedy episode. As he's getting into the car, a hyena jumps up and rips his pants off and you see the heart boxers because that's what only thing people own is because this is an animaniacs episode yeah just flat out uh so the the chase is on we have veronica and veronica and harley Harley. in the front the battlefield chasing them with batman and robin i have the whole list in here um they're veronica and then uh boxy bennett and then as they turn a corner there's a tank yeah and you see the general and then it's Batman, and then as they are running from the tank, Bullet crashes his car again, and then he's and then he's in the chase. Yeah. So it's this six man car chase happening right now, and it's wonderful. Yeah, and it was at this point I'm like, okay, this is what they're trying to do all along the way. They're just setting up these weird little things, so yeah, it can be this this comedy of escalation because it is like way over heightened, and yeah, everyone like literally shows up at the same point and just has this massive crash. Yeah. Where the general runs over his daughter. He runs over his own daughter. I don't... Mm. I, I don't know how hard it is to stop a tank. I'm sure it's difficult. It's a lot of inertia. Yeah. Yeah. Momentum. Yeah. Same thing. But 
whatever engineer boy. Yeah. Um, so but he's a general. He should understand how it works. Well, clearly, he's crazy though, because yeah. he's just walking around into people's offices carrying a riding crop. Yes. I really hope he's not an actual general and he's just like in costume. Actually, it's highly possible. He's probably just an eccentric billionaire who owns a tank. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. We Cause because it he would be immediately discharged for oh, firing yeah. a tank in the middle of a city. Yeah. He'd be he should just be court martialed for a sense of fashion to start with, but much less driving around in that tank and shooting at shit. But yeah, they, they all they all crash and uh What right. if he's just, what if it wasn't her actual dad? What if it was just a random like Arkham inmate that got out. I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. Right? No one would be that surprised. That's why they weren't chasing Veronica. They were chasing, chasing Harley. <laughs> they were chasing the guy in the tank. No, no, no. I'm saying that that was who the dad was. Was he? That wasn't her actual dad. That was just a random guy that escaped Arkham. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he was chasing Harley, not Veronica. Trying to get her back? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, so they, they, they crash and... Harley and Veronica like leap out of the car just in time. They leap like twelve stories. Really, yeah, and I, I think she has a grapple gun. They just don't show it because okay. she like grapples. Oh, that's true. That's in true, a building, true. and uh, Batman goes after her. And again, he's like trying to kind of calm her down. Like, hey, like I understand. Like, it's not your fault. Like, we'll we'll try and solve this. And she's kind of had enough of it. And ends up like blowing up some scaffolding and ends up hanging off of a mechanical like neon straw straw it's like oh they're, they're basically in gotham Times square right now yeah she's jumping from giant billboard to giant billboard yeah and eventually she falls and i think batman catches her mm-hmm. or something and it, it just so this, this is all kind of working it's all over the top and there's a really great moment there at the end when they're they're back at arkham and the doctor is like okay well like we had a setback here but you know we'll, we'll keep working and you'll get back out eventually and um you know batman is there and he pulls out the dress and he hands it to her and it's like you know like i i know you didn't get your dress and mm-hmm. you had a bad day i had a bad day once too and it's a really fantastic moment because it shows he genuinely has empathy for his villains particularly her because he recognizes that she's a victim he does this really nice gesture and then for me they completely undercut it with this like over-the-top cartoon kiss yeah oh yeah absolutely and i i, I would have loved her for just to like love for her to just like hug the dress and then walk off yeah and i even would buy like the one like quick like kiss on the cheek like thank you sort of thing but the fact that she's like oh hang on turns around and goes back one she's going for robin he's the hotter one two it's just weird yeah i don't uh it, i think that was what i actually didn't like this episode that much specifically because it was trying to be this like over-the-top comedy but it also was trying to be really sincere and i don't think those things work together. Okay. I found it very entertaining. I don't think it was okay, a, yeah. it was a great episode, but I think it was a fun episode. I guess that's fair. Yeah, it is fun. I yeah, I feel like it had the makings of a great episode. Mm-hmm. Also, I think this is the first Paul Dini episode that I didn't love. Okay. That's probably not true. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> He's you? done a lot of episodes recently. He's done a lot of them. Yeah. But okay, so I'm I'm curious. So we we've had now this is our our fifth reform episode. Penguin, Poison Ivy, mm-hmm. Riddler, Two Face, yeah. Harley, yeah. Which one do you think is the best one? This is a silly question. I don't know what the answer. The Two Face one. Oh, I was gonna, I thought you were gonna oh. say the Riddler one. Oh right, yeah, the Riddler one. Yeah, the Penguin one was too long ago for me to remember. He, he think he was also kind of a victim, right? Like he was generally trying. I think kind of like this, he fell back into his old ways. Yeah, no, yeah, he because he wasn't a Veronica super Freeland villain was in that one too. Yes, yeah, she's the common theme. Understandable. She's because uh, she's also in the Riddler episode. She's at the party. Is she at the party? I think so. I don't remember. Maybe, no, I always mix her up with Summer. Summer Gleason. Yeah, who's also not in the Riddler episode. But there, there were like. <laughs> Social. I have no excuse. Yeah. There were socialites there. She was probably at the party. Yeah. She's the common thread here. Yeah. Yeah. She's the real villain of the whole show. Absolutely. Yeah. I because and then Poison Ivy wasn't really trying. It was all mm-hmm. it, was it was all, all ruse. Yeah. Um. So I guess Harley. Yeah. Harley and Penguin were legitimately trying, and Two Face was kind of trying, except for the whole self sabotage thing. Yeah. He he was trying, and then he found his the problem isn't his reform it's not doing crime is the problem it's besting batman well and also he couldn't let he would die two-face would die from his perspective if harvey 
completed surgery. So it's a, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like an element of self-preservation. Yeah, be right. Then he oh, so up, yeah, I, I jumped to Riddler. I, mi- I missed that. Yeah, but yeah. So what do you think? One is the the best one though of all of them. Uh, I'd say yeah. I'd say Riddler and Two Facer are definitely the top two. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That mm-hmm. Riddler episode is really, really damn good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on this? Um, I kind of boasted the question at the beginning of. Do you think Batman feels responsible for Harley? Oh, I, I guess right. you could kind of answer it. Of yeah, um, he sees her as a victim, which is true. I think so. Yeah, I I don't think I don't think he feels personally responsible in the same way he does for like Two Face. Mm-hmm. But I think he is maybe more inclined to want to try mm-hmm. and help her. Yeah, because it's not really her fault that she's put in this situation. Like the the way that I saw it was kind of his clash of conscience, where he is. I, they they show the Red Hood moment in this series, right? Where you see the Joker, that Batman created the Joker. Did we see that? Oh, the the Red Hood. Uh, I uh, all of it just kind of blends together. Right do now. we? I don't know. I have to look it up. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we, I mean, I guess it's not super important to the story, but yeah. it's the idea that he was the one that sent Joker to Harley. If he didn't send Joker to Arkham, Harley would have never existed. Uh, that it's was true. kind of how yeah. I saw it as he created her. It was like if he, like he knows Joker is this you know this character of chaos. If he if he did just get rid of him, did something else with him, he wouldn't have just saved you know hundreds of you know Gothamites' lives, but he would have saved Harley. It's true. Yeah, and she was trying to help in the first place, mm-hmm. too. So, no, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think he, he does feel, um, he feels far as, sorry for her. He feels a little yeah. accountable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor Harley. I know. Hey, but at least as of this point, she's <clears throat> separated from Mr. J. Yeah, she she's a completely independent person now. Yeah, until she won't be. That's fine. Yeah, I haven't seen enough. Um, what are you uh, plugging this week? Uh, a movie that we both watched. Yes, we did. Uh, we, we finally saw The Big Sick. Which is uh, Kumail Nagiani's new film, mm-hmm. which was amazing. It's yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's as of right now, it's still limited release. It's even only playing in one theater in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, it might get a broader release at some point. I don't know. It, it's slowly because I have a friend in Austin that just saw it. Okay, so it's slowly creeping out to yeah. kind of more indie theaters. But if you if it's playing in your area, please go see it. It's, yeah, I feel bad calling it a rom com, but that's. It's what it is. I mean, it's it's a dramedy. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it's a comedy, but it has like real moments of drama and, and stakes. And yeah, oh, for man, for the people so who don't know, heart, it's, like... it's the story about how Kumel met his wife Emily. Who I've, did you ever meet Emily? She used to be melt on all the time. No, I. Speaking of Comic Con, like last year, I was leaving the con to go into downtown, and I like crossed the street to be on the side of the street I had had to be on eventually. And then uh, the next block over on the side I had just left was. Kumail and Emily walking. That's funny. Way. I saw them in the convention center last year. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that, that was the last year they probably could have gotten away with walking around without getting stopped. I mean, he, he had his, like, his hat on. Yeah, I mean, because he's still pretty big just from Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I know I never met either of them, yeah. which makes me sad. Well, I, funny, when I saw them at Comic-Con, I recognized her before mm-hmm. I saw him. Yeah. Because she has a very unique look. Yeah. Uh, but I've gotten to talk with her one or two times oh, in really? Meltdown. Yeah, through uh, Ryan Pig. Okay, yeah. a great friend of the Nerdist School. Um, member. Yeah, he's a member of the Nerd he's School. Both. He's a friend of the um, but, but yeah, she is such an awesome person. She wrote a book recently called uh, oh, Super You. Yeah. Kind of about her dealing with her mental problems. Have you how, read that? Uh, I've skimmed it. Okay. I own it, uh, but I, I, I want to go back, after, especially after watching The Big Sick. Yeah, I want to go back and, and jump back into that book. Mm. Um, but it's a, it's a great story. It's Kumel... Nagiani is plays himself. Uh, Ray Romano plays the dad. Yeah. Um, to be fair, to be clear, plays Emily's dad. Yes, not Emily's Kamala's dad. dad. Yeah. Um, Holly Hunter. Yeah, is, is Emily's mom. Yeah, much better in this than she was in Batman v Superman: Colon Dawn of Justice. Yes. Uh, but it's it's there hasn't been a movie, or I haven't walked out a movie a movie in a while where I just felt like fuzzy at yeah. the end of it. I was like, that was good. I feel happy. Yeah, it's it's genuinely like heartwarming. And at the same time, I had like laugh out loud moments. Oh yeah. And like I'm very vulnerable in movie theaters and I'm very open to expressing myself, but very rarely, especially recently, have I like had a good 
laugh out loud. Yeah. Multiple laugh out mo- loud moments. It's great. Yeah. I, it, that was also kind of <clears throat> one of my, one of my plugs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really good. Yeah. If you get a chance, go see it. Uh, and the other movie I'm, I'm like halfway through with it. It's very weird. And I expected it to be weird, but it's the Okja. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Netflix. Yeah. It, it came out yesterday. Um, and I had, I had to pause it cause it's just, it's so weird. Yeah. I'll, I'll finish it eventually. Is that the, the director of Snowpiercer? Is it his I next, think so. next movie? Did you see Snowpiercer? I haven't, just because I know it's sad. And I, I, I just, I'm not I in the mood for a sad movie right now. I call it sad. It's heavy. Right. Yeah, I'm not, I, I, I'm not emotionally in a place where I can handle okay, a heavy movie yeah, right it's, now. It, yeah, it gets pretty heavy at points. Yeah. But Chris Evans is amazing. In it as it's a, the only Chris Evans movie I haven't seen, and I feel a little bad for that. You've seen Cellular? There are two Chris Evans movies <laughs> I haven't seen. I'm sure. Have you seen Gifted? Which just I have seen Gifted. Okay, damn. that was cute. Uh, I've seen What's Your Number a few times. Before we go, I think was that yeah, the one he yeah, directed. Yeah, I saw that on the plane. Damn it. Um, oh, uh, not another teen uh, movie. Um, push was it? No, was yeah. it? Oh, have I seen Push? Uh, of course, of course, you've seen it. That's that's <laughs> that's completely in your wheelhouse. All right. Oh man, the era of like shitty superhero films in the mid two thousands. The Losers. Yes, I love the losers. I do too, actually. Okay, damn. Um, I, I felt okay. I think uh, I oh, sorry. I'm gonna because fuck Oak Oakja. Uh, I have a much better bat plug, which is so fascinating. I just remembered about it. Uh, it's this guy. It's a YouTuber. Um, I don't remember exactly who it is. He doesn't post videos very often, but he made this very fascinating argument about how uh, the Rugrats movie ruined 2D animation in film. Okay. Uh, and it was fascinating. It was basically the idea that if you compare the budget of the Rugrats movie, the very first one that came out in 1998, yeah. uh, to like a Disney film or any other major 2D budget movie, it was made for $2 million, okay. which is nothing. Yeah. And it made back over $100 million. Mm-hmm. And so oh. at that point, so, you know, Disney is pretty good about having one movie come out a year. Yeah. And then DreamWorks was starting to build their build up their reputation with, you know, Prince of Egypt and El Dorado and a couple other of those films. And they were also doing once a year. Between 1998 and 2005, <clears throat> there were 11 uh, Nickelodeon films. Maybe even shorter than that. I think it was I think in a 6-year span there were 11 Nick movies mm-hmm. that were all under Super under budget. Um, so you had, you know, My God. so you had three Rugrats movies at a Wild Thornberry. And these are all the- uh, theatrical releases. Yeah. Three Rugrats, uh, Wild Thornberries, a Doug movie, a teacher's pet movie that no one asked for. Uh, I don't think people remember teacher's pet, which I, is fine. I vaguely recall it. Um, and then Disney started to jump on that. And it would have been fine if they didn't slap their logo on it. I'm kind of ruining the video, but it's fine. Cause I've wanted to talk about this for a little bit. Um, where they started cause Disney made teacher's pet and it, like they tried to elevate their, their TV shows to be this movie quality stuff while still keeping the TV animation quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would have been fine if they didn't slap their logo on it. And so parents now were like kind of questioning the authenticity of Disney films. Cause you had oh. you know, teacher's pet <laughs> movie, you had the recess movie, which to be fair is amazing. Okay. One of my favorites. Haven't seen it. It's great. Um, and, and yeah, there were just a couple more. Oh, it's Jimmy Neutron movie. Forgot that one. Um, That's not 2D. It's not. Um, but and the movie came before the show. That is very true. Yeah. I'm glad that you got to say that, and I didn't have to. I know, right? Yeah. Um, also, but that's, it, that's Nickelodeon, not Disney. I know. I'll, I'm jumping between the two. Okay, okay. Um, but it's fa- it was such a fascinating argument. And so that, on top of, you know, uh, Disney's three kind of consecutive misses with 2D, because you had Atlantis, Treasure Planet... And then Home on the Range were uh, 2001, 2, and 3. Um, and there was a great little insert with John Lasseter talking about kind of how people aren't thinking about it properly between 2D and 3D. And I think his analogy was like, you have Studio A, because this is obviously like right before Disney bought Pixar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Studio A is making these amazing films, and Studio B is making these subpar films. And Studio B is looking at it, and they're like, oh... Studio A is using this camera. That's our problem. 
And so they just try and take that oh, camera. Oh, okay, like, That's I see. such a good analogy. It's not about the storytelling. It's just about like, oh, they're using 3D animation, so that's why they're successful. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, super interesting. But it's like this 20-minute argument, and it's so cool. I just kind of ruined half of it. That's fine. But I'll, I'll send you the link, because it's super cool. Okay, yeah. No, I do want to check that out. Also, I have to put it into the plugs. Yeah. So... <laughs> What are you what are you plugging? Uh, well, I mean, rant? Well, I'll share a co-plug with you, phrasing, on, um, what were we talking about? The Big Sick. Yes. <laughs> the Big Sick. And then, it's uh, a double-ended plug. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other one is um, a video from Patrick Willems. So I mentioned him uh, the last week or two weeks ago. He made the video about why the Phantasm movie is so good. Mm-hmm. This one was him um, basically looking at the argument that people love realism in movies rather than, um, Oh fuck. What's the opposite term of realism when it comes to cinema? Abstract. No. Um, I'm going to, uh, put my computer on mute and slowly play it until I can get, it's like classes. I put on mute. It's like classicism and neoclassicism. Realism. I don't know. No, cause I mean, I, I mean, I'm speaking from the art world. The classicism is kind of the realistic style of the 1800s. I think it's classicism and it's it's classical it, it starts era. with an S. Surrealism. No, this is going to really, Cubism. really bother me. I'm just going through the art styles. Uh, uh, Damn it. Uh, God, what's the, the I meant, German style? I meant to watch this video again earlier so I actually <laughs> knew what I was talking about. Uh, De Bruck style. Um um, I'm gonna keep pointillism. <laughs> you yeah, you actually like studied art. So. Um, wait, it's oh, it's probably like a spectrum. Is like classicism's like spectrum. Um, what was what, uh, God? Damn it! <laughs> what was uh, what was Pollock's style called? Formalism. That's the not an art style. No, it's like formalism is. Um, Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I know it now. I know it now. I got it. I figured it out. It is. Explain uh, it to me. It is realism on one end of the spectrum and classicism on the other. No, excuse me. Formalism on the other and classicism in the middle. That makes sense. So back to where this all started like 10 minutes ago. The there's this idea that uh, audiences gravitate towards realistic movies. Right. So you can look at uh, the Dark Knight kind of set off like re-trigger this idea of like realism. And specifically he's talking about um the like the Marvel movies that they're grounded in kind of a form of realism. So the idea is like, oh well, like they're successful because they're realistic, and um, that other movies say like a movie you and I both really love that is underappreciated, Speed Racer, <gasps> which is like oh, the the insane. like he used that as his example of like the most extreme form of formalism, where it's like it completely fits the the tone they're trying to tell. This this world is just so bright and colorful and completely unrealistic, and that this misconception that for you to connect to a movie, to a story, it has to be grounded in a world that is realistic. You can recognize and that the more out there it is, the harder it is to connect. And he's basically saying like, that's, that's bullshit. That's not true. Most movies fall into classicism right there in the middle, but that there is a lot of stuff on that far end of the spectrum. The, the formalism people love. I mean, you look at like Tim Burton's work Mm -hmm. too, right? I mean, those are, you can emotionally resonate with that. And and his argument is even in um, speed racer that, the the whole world is crazy, but the one thing that's grounded is the relationships, and then also that it's all very sincere. So you, it's basically he's breaking down this idea that it doesn't have to be super realistic for you to connect with it. He does a much better job of explaining this. Than no, that sounds really partly interesting. because he actually remembers the terms and didn't have to <clears throat> look them up again. No, I'm fine. Um, I'm just glad I wasn't Debruck style. Yeah, I, you've completely lost me. <laughs> I, I took a, I took a little bit of art history in high school, but I just we had this doesn't matter. So, <laughs> This has nothing to do with anything, even less so than what already didn't have to do with anything. But it's it's a cool video, so obviously I'll include it in the links, and you guys should yeah, watch it. Yeah, I'd love it. to go watch that. Yeah, he does some good stuff, this Patrick H. Willems. I'm finding good stuff of his. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a really long response to the short answer of what I'm plugging. No, it's fine. We, we both had extended responses. Yeah, you just knew what you were talking about. Vaguely. Yeah. It's fine. One of these days, I'll plug something James Bond in land, and I'll let myself go on a big, long rant about oh, that. Oh, it'll be a whole separate episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> I could teach a class. I wish I could, actually. Someone out there, give me a class to teach. Community college. Yeah, I can, find, I can find a way. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's it. We did it. <laughs> I think we've beat this podcast to death at this point. Uh, <laughs> thank thank if, you for sticking around. If you have anything that you'd like us to <laughs> to watch or read or experience, 
you can find us at I never do this. At Tim Talk Pod on yes. Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. And you can find me, Cameron Dexter, at Cameron.dexter on Instagram. I thought for a second that you fucked it up. Nope. <laughs> but you, you pulled it through. You had it. Yeah. And uh, I had to I'm, make sure people don't recognize my voice <laughs> this whole time. I'm at Lordifer if you want to get into discussion that's, with that's me. That's Chris Ellen. talking, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> It's uh, not even that late this time. It's not. It's like seven thirty. Yeah. Eight o'clock. Right? Yeah, exactly. Bedtime soon. Um uh, but, but we'll be back next week with episode forty four. Yeah, um we have four episodes of the animated series left. That's so sad. I know. I never thought we'd make it to this point, to be honest. No. I so I think it's um lock up and make them laugh i think are yeah yeah and then it's deep freeze and Batgirl returns mm-hmm. and then uh and then we'll we're do, done then we'll do sub-zero yes. be, yeah that'll be the end of the animated series then we'll do sub-zero and then and on. then we'll have a maybe special who knows episode after that so be ready for a surprise episode oh right ruining yeah the bonus episode yes yeah should we do an episode like recapping the animated series? Nah. It's too much fucking work, That's isn't it? That's a lot it? of work for us. No, that would require me to like, go back and rewatch episodes and come up with a list of superlatives and a, share them beforehand. This is a like base level of effort kind of podcast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This this could be an offline discussion. We're just going to have it now and I'm not going to edit it out. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, But join us again next week and thank you guys for listening. Yes, thanks. Bye. The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit NerdistSchool.com.